Hello and welcome to another episode of Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the mental and emotional components of endurance sports. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at Thomas Endurance Coaching. And on this episode, I'm talking with Lydia Tanner. Um, Lydia's been racing bikes her whole life. Um, she raced uh, cross-country mountain bikes at an international level. She went on in college to win two collegiate national titles. And after all that racing uh, and all that success, uh, ultimately gave it up due to overtraining and an unhealthy relationship with the sport. So fast forward, uh, now she focuses on finding balance and sustainability in endurance sports. Um, she uses that perspective to work with teens at the uh, Boulder Junior Cycling Program. She, um, she's also a content creator for Training Peaks. She reviews bikes for Bike Magazine. Um, so tremendously talented individual. But overall, that um, really has such great perspective on the sport. And uh, honestly, I'm not going to do a a huge lead-in for her because I think what she has to say really speaks for itself. And um, and uh, I want to get right to uh, to to our chat. So um, if you want to find out more about Lydia, you can find her uh, on Instagram at lid loves mud. That's L Y D loves mud. Uh, on Instagram, um, reach out, follow her uh, her exploits, and um, yeah, tremendous, tremendous chat. Had a great time talking with her. We see eye to eye on so many things, uh, and I'm going to dive right in so uh, so everyone can listen to to what she has to say. Uh, enjoy my chat with Lydia Tanner. Hey, Lydia, how's it going? Welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, for those of us that don't know, uh, it might be good to, uh, to, to kick things off with just a little bit of background information about kind of, um, uh, where you come from, uh, from your, uh, from your endurance sports background. Cause you have a really, uh, a really deep, uh, and really successful background in, uh, in sports. So maybe you can, uh, you can kind of kick us off by just, Telling us, uh, telling us what that what that's been like, kind of where you started and and where you're at today. Sure. Um, I mean, success is all relative, but I've been mountain biking for a really long time, basically since I was 12. Um, which, like, suddenly realize, oh man, I've been I've been racing for like 18 years. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, I got to I got to do a lot of really cool travel in my uh, early college years. I went to Worlds. I did some racing in Switzerland, um, and then basically uh, burned out and spent the next couple of years uh, climbing and ski mountaineering. And now I'm back to cycling, and um, I'm loving it. It's it's a it's a new but old challenge. So I have all the tools I need, but I'm, I'm applying some kind of new strategies to see it, to see what happens. Yeah. So, um, I think that's, you know, you, you found yourself in a position where I think a lot of folks, uh, honestly, you know, you were competing, uh, on the, you know, kind of like world stage, but, um, to be fair, a lot I'm of very folks, slow, but <laughs> <laughs> well, slow, Maybe in a in a in a big pool of very fast people. Sure, yeah, I was at the back of the pack. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, you you still got the invite though. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's something that where a lot of folks, you know, at all levels, find themselves is there's just I mean, you know, burnout is just so prevalent, right? Mm-hmm. That like there's sustainability in the sport, whatever your discipline is, whether it's, you know, cycling or running or triathlon or whatever, there's so many folks that are kind of boom and bust, you know, they come in really hard, really motivated, really fit, whatever it is. And then for whatever reason, they, um, they, they fall out of love with the, with the sport. So, um, yeah, I'm interested, like, can you expand a little bit on just kind of what that was like for you? Like maybe what, what led to it and then kind of how you process that, that period in your life when you, you know, you, you didn't feel like endurance sports was part of the picture. I mean, I'd say endurance sports have always been part of the picture, but I think that the sort of ultra competitive version that I was participating in wasn't serving me anymore at that time. Um, 
I think it's, it's an interest. It's interesting looking back because I I see that sort of like late nineties, early aughts as this phase where we were all kind of still tied to this like ultra performance version of cycling, um, and like I feel like the vibe these days is a little more relaxed. And I'm sure I'm sure the folks at the top end still feel like it's ultra competitive, but I think for the rest of us, there's kind of an emerging version of athletics that's a little more um like casual and uh experience focused less than results mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i think that that mentality played a lot into why i found it unsustainable at the time it was it was just ultra competitive and i i was really self critical um and you know like i said i wasn't seeing it's it's hard to make that transition from junior to u23 cuz you go from basically getting all these like really gratifying results to being to racing with elites. And, you know, you're not going to see that, that sort of results as like an 18 year old. And, um, so yeah, like, like that sort of external motivation for me was, was a lot of why I was doing it. And, um, it wasn't enough to keep me out there at that time. So yeah, I've done a lot of soul searching since then to think about like why, why I actually do this stuff. And, um, I've found some, some way more sustainable reasons and it feels really good. Yeah, that's, you bring up a good point and I've, <clears throat> I've talked about it, um, a fair amount or it's, it's come up uh, a good bit on, on this podcast, this, you know, kind of balance between, um, intrinsic and, and extrinsic motivators, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's really, like the sexiest thing to talk about and the, the thing that everybody gets excited about is, is winning, right. Or podiums or, you know, like you said, like these, the validation that comes from showing up to a race and, and doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you, um, and you know, you experience, like, I think what a lot of even, you know, like age group athletes experience, which is just very classic progression where as you, as you excel, you, you upgrade or you move into different categories and then you, you're kind of put, you know, at the back of the the pack again. And and so you, I've the point, you know, again, that's come up several times uh, or often on the podcast is that, you know, you really have to find, like, you have to root your, your motivation in something outside of, um, the the external component right that like mm-hmm. finding your your why uh and certainly the why can be partly linked to you know winning or doing well because you know typically we are competitive and it's it's something that is important to us and that's fine but it's not going to happen every time right even if you were the best on that day the race might not play out in your favor and so you have to find some way to 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 link your success or find your success in things outside of, you know, just, just, uh, you know, doing well at a race or winning or podium or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you, Sorry, go ahead. no, go ahead. Oh, I was Fire just going to say, yeah, for me, I think that, um, like the key concept that has helped me switch that is like this idea of sustainability. Um, I think I went from wanting Mm -hmm. to be, you know, an an Olympian and having no other plan to wanting to ride when I'm an old lady, you know, (laughs) or just be moving. Um, And so when you, when you frame things like that, it just takes all the pressure off and it makes the, it makes the timeline and the process seem so much more doable, you know? Yeah. I, I love, um, I mean, the fact that you, you know, you call it a process, which is something that I, um, I say all the time, you know, and and it's a pretty popular, um, you know, kind of moniker, this idea of like, you know, enjoy the process, right. Or, or, you know, or love, love, love. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And, but it's so, it's easy to say, and it's like, but it's, it's really can be hard to do. Right. I think a lot of people get kind of tripped up when they try to find, um, what part of that process they enjoy or the fact that it's a process at all, right. That there's not some, ultimate end goal, um, in terms of, you know, okay, when I get to this race or when I get to, you know, the Olympics or whatever, right. You know, I think it's that idea of sustainability is much more important than coming in and kind of, you know, at all costs, getting to some singular Mm -hmm. endpoint in your pursuit of, you know, progress or kind of being, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of humility, right. You have to, you have to be willing to be like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
progress, but I'm going to recognize that sometimes I'm not going to be successful in that progression. Right. And you have to be okay with seeing, seeing like maybe that result as being part of a process instead of being, you know, your, your failure. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that like progress, um, part of progression can be like Mm -hmm. regression, right? Like you're not always taking steps forward, you know, like sometimes you can, take steps back or you can be, you know, self-critical in a way that, that, you know, you take two steps, uh, you know, back to take one step forward type thing. And, you know, I think that that's this idea that it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not linear. You know, I think so many athletes get, get it stuck in their head uh, or have a really hard time kind of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, from, from A to B, you know, whatever that is, or A to A to Z, um, there's a lot of ups and downs, you know, it's not just, you don't just continually get more fit. You don't get, um, you know, every workout isn't the best, you know, and continually progressive. And, and you know, there's a lot of, a lot of highs and lows. And that's when that kind of finding your rooting yourself in some enjoyment of the process outside of that ex- external component mm-hmm. is really important. Right. Cause that's what, that's what carries you through, the the low points, right? Because if if the external is the only thing getting you by, then you're gonna hang your hat on something that's Absolutely. gonna let you down. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so one of the things that you uh, you had said before we uh, we, we started recording was um, um, this that you were trying to find the balance between um, health and fitness and <laughs> and obsession. And I, I thought that was really great because I don't know if anybody else can identify with that, but I was like, oh, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. You know, like my, my whole life, you know, I mean, I've, uh, I've taken, uh, you know, kind of a similar path to you and in sense, you know, you know, in the last, you know, handful of years or whatever, looked to try to find some sort of balance and, and, and looked at sport as kind of a lens that I can, you know, really enjoy life and like adds value to my experiences that I have, you know, in the mountains or, or wherever I'm at. Um, but I still can't, it's hard to break being really competitive, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to, so yeah, I'm just interested like to hear kind of what that means for you and, and how you've, you know, continually, I imagine try to find that, that balance and, and add value, you know, and how endurance sports kind of brings value mm-hmm. to those experiences. Yeah. I mean, I think that, health should always be the priority, right? Cause you can't do anything if you don't have health. Um, so in that, in that right. trifecta, I think health should always be at the top. Right. And then fitness I see as a tool, like you said, for enjoyment of, you know, adventures in the mountains, getting to do more things, feeling capable, feeling confident, you know, I think fitness is a really great, uh, tool for personal growth. It's a really good way to frame goals, and then like, I see obsession as, uh, honestly something you should avoid. And it's hard because it's often celebrated, right? Like everyone sees obsession as this sort of, right. um, you know, Oh, they're, they're so committed. Right. Um, but to me, I think it's something you should use sparingly. I think it's easy to become obsessed with a sport, but it, it if you, if you get into that zone, it controls you. And, um, uh, and then you end up sacrificing your health or you sacrifice really your fitness sometimes. Right. Um, and and if you're, if your goal is to, to be moving when you're old and to be enjoying these things in the mountains, like that, that obsession factor, I don't know. I think, I think it's something that like really, really high level athletes all have on some level, but you have to, you have to kind of look at it. Like you look at like a mountain lion kind of like warily, you know, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I mean, you're right. That's, um, the, you know, the idea that to some degree, certainly at a high level, you know, athletes have, you know, have some level of that obsession. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, it can really, we see it happen all the time. It, you know, it, 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 it ultimately gets in the way, you know, like you, you can't, you can't be obsessed uh, forever. Right. Because like you said, I mean, it's at the detriment of the things that you're trying to accomplish, you know, your fitness, uh, your, you know, your health or, you know, it's overtraining, it's burnout, it's injury. Um, yeah, there's mental and physical components. Um, 
Yeah. And so do, um, do you think like, so in, in place of obsession, like I always kind of try to advocate for, you know, giving yourself as an athlete, some, um, some, some space and some kind of like leeway, Mm. you know? So like when you, when you have the, uh, and this is like, this is nuanced for everyone, but when you have this feelings of obsession or maybe you're starting to be too hard on yourself or what, you know, like that's the moment where you should inject some, um, you know, kind of self love or space or give yourself some, you know, leeway. Like, do you find that there's something that you can do, uh, other than be obsessed? That's, that's, uh, you know, a valuable <laughs> use of your time. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of, uh, well, so like this year I, I like went into the season with the goal of like number one, maintaining my health and like seeing if I could achieve results with that as my goal. And so I was really on the lookout for those sort of obsessive thoughts, or if I started being really hard on myself, if I, you know, didn't, didn't nail a target or, or missed a workout or something. And, um, so when I'd see those signs, I basically would be like, whatever was on my training plan, I'd just give myself like three days off. (laughs) And I would do like, I'd get a massage, I'd do like face masks, I would just like chill. And the, the, and like take a step back. And it was really cool because I found that that actually made me feel better in all of my training through the whole season. It let me train harder when I went, when I needed to train hard. And I felt like happy and engaged the entire time. Like, so it was, it was a really interesting thing, but it, it takes a lot of humility to be like, I'm just not going to do my thing today. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's all pretty hardwired to yeah, be like, I'm right. going to, I'm going to do my workouts. I'm not going to slack off. Um, but sometimes that's the best thing. Yeah. How do you, how do you find, or, or maybe the question is, do you, do you think there's a line where, you know, the, cause there are some days when, you know, maybe you're not feeling a hundred percent, like maybe you're a little tired, you know, maybe you didn't eat, you know, like you had a late lunch, you know, whatever, like it's not all lining up, but, but like you still, need to show up, right? Like I, I've always mm-hmm. said it, I think this balance can, is really hard yes. to find because it's very individualized, yes. but like, if you wait around for the perfect moment, you'll be waiting mm-hmm. a long time. Right. So like, when, when do you, you know, like, what does that look like for you? Like, when do you, when do you kind of, sh- you know, I guess like shut up and do the work or like kind of shut that stuff down in your head and do the work. And then when do you give yourself that space? Like, how- yeah, I mean, I think that that is like probably the most important skill when it comes to being a successful athlete is understanding that feeling in your body. Right. And I think that's why, um, mm-hmm, it can be right. so hard when we're all so obsessed with our numbers and our, and our metrics is we kind of lose touch with how we're actually feeling and how our body's actually responding to things. So, I mean, I think that point is different for every athlete, the difference between like yeah. regular fatigue, like functional, you know, productive fatigue and, you know, something that's actually more like overtraining, Um, but I think like really learning that line for yourself as an athlete is really important and it's, it's hard. You can't really teach it. Right. You can only like make a mistake a million times until you, (laughs) until you learn to recognize that feeling. Right. (laughs) You have have to cross that line like a hundred times before you figure out where it is. (laughs) Right. I know. I mean, that's a great point. I I try to, cause you're exactly right. Like you don't, you can't teach it. So, you know, as, as a coach, and I, I know you work with athletes as well and, and on the coaching side and, you know, that's a, you, you can't, um, there's no like, you know, 10 steps to figure out what your, where that line is, you know? And so I always will try to kind of purposefully, you know, see if we can find that line, you know, but then, make sure that myself and the athlete are on the same page. Like, okay, like it's okay. Like, you know, now we know like, you know, that workout didn't go great, you know? So now like when that happens again, like we can kind of commit this mm-hmm. experience to memory. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you, if this, you know, if all the stars align or you feel like this again, like this is, this might be your line, mm-hmm. right? We might be finding it. And, um, but it's so hard to, it's so hard, but, I agree. Like it's, it's the most valuable thing, right. <laughs> to figure out like when, um, when to push through and 
and and when not to and like you said we're so hardwired to um especially with uh with you know kind of modern performance metrics right we love to see all of the things ticking upwards right and so that missed session you know, looks like it's a, it's a big hit, you know, it looks like, you know, it makes those metrics not look as, yeah, God forbid as pretty. Or as, you know. Um, <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, you know, and it's, it is, it's a balance. Cause like, I'm, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm certainly, you know, data driven and, 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 you know, place emphasis and value on those things, but like not at the expense of, the, mm-hmm. the qualitative components, right? Like if we can't nail down, like you were saying, just like how it feels, um, then the metrics, you know, the metrics are only as good as the data that we put into them. Right. So like, they're just, mm-hmm. they're just a response. Um, whereas, yeah, I think that, you know, the qualitative piece, um, is, uh, is, is so much, so much, you know, certainly just as important, if not more important. Well, it seems to me too, and <laughs> um, like maybe maybe you feel the same way, but I f- I feel like the endurance community as a whole is focusing more on staying on the right side of that line instead of glorifying pushing over it. Like I think I think that used to be the mentality was like, oh, you push yourself hard and then you win, you know. And yeah. now it's more like, no, you have to kind of like yeah. dance around that line and and like allow yourself to adapt and recover too. Um, I know it could just be that I personally am becoming more aware of it, but I also feel like there's a, there's a general shift in mentality about it too. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, you know, I think we're seeing that with, I mean, even on the metrics side, right? Like, you know, the focus on mm-hmm. sleep metrics and, you know, HRV and, you know, even if we like look at the data, which, you know, typically has kind of driven us more in the kind of extreme side of, you know, push, push at all costs, you know, as long as your fitness is improving. Um, but, but now we're seeing the data kind of back up or, or help to, to push this idea of, you know, rest, like, you know, let's track your sleep, you know, let's track your resting heart rate and HRV and, you know, even tools tracking respiratory rates and all these things that, you know, while you're sleeping, you know, and so the emphasis is just as much on what happens, what's happening when you're not training, you know, or not exercising as, what are we seeing when you're actually producing some type of effort? And yeah, I think that's a, that's a super valuable shift. I mean, back to this idea of sustainability, like, you know, I think one of the, the biggest, um, you know, barriers to sustainability is that just like, if you have that mentality where you, you push forward at all costs, you're like, it's only going to last so long, right? I mean, by design, mm-hmm. it has to fail um, because you'll reach a breaking point, you know, you'll find that line um, and you'll end up on the other side of it or the wrong side of it. And it'll be, it'll be too late. And I right? think it's okay to go on the wrong um, side of it, so. but to understand that you have to use that sparingly, right? Like for like a, a couple right, weeks, right, right, season, right. you know, like when you're really, really at your peak, you know, that yeah. you're not in like a sustainable state, but it feels so good. So you can't help it. <laughs> yeah. I want it. Yeah. It's nice to, I mean, yeah, that's so good. Like, this it's it's it has been back to this idea what we were talking about where it's like it's such a it's such a fine line it's so different for everyone but yeah it's it's good to push hard like you know you like don't always take it easy on yourself right like you don't want to give yourself too mm-hmm. much space uh or too much um flexibility because yeah you i mean you want to push and the end goal you know as an athlete is to to push through you know comfort zones and to realize your full potential. And so to do that, there's some level of discomfort, right? And there's certainly some level of fatigue. Um, but that there's a balance there, you know, and I have always, um, since I've been, since I've been doing this, this podcast, I've, you know, I've found myself like really juxtaposed a lot of times, like in conversations with different people, they're like, well, I heard you on the podcast say that, you know, it's like mental fur. I'm like, well, but sometimes you like, get up at three in the morning mm-hmm. and get your workout in, right? Like there's this balance somewhere in there that like works out for everyone, right? Like you got to just figure out what that looks like for you. And, um, yeah. Do you feel like, like, is it for you, is it more kind of based on like the race season, you know, do you find yourself like willing and able to push like when it matters most or is there, you know, 
are you just do you enjoy that push just for kind of the process and how it makes you feel or is it always kind of aligned with like a you know like you said like the final build up to like a you know big push before a race and and that's when you really get fired up to kind of make that big make some of those sacrifices that you know I know, you don't I want think to do with all the bike time. racing you have to be willing to do it for the process of it because it is such a long process to get to that final build um you know, like right, work all yeah. season for like that sort of like window of amazing fitness. And, you know, some people are, are able to maintain that window for longer, but for me, it's more like I got, I got like a month every summer where I'm like, Ooh, I'm a superhero, you know, <laughs> but, but to get to that month, you have to be right, like yeah. willing to be working in January. Right. And, um, and so it's yeah. like, I think yeah. you have to be, uh, you have to have that long view, but also be willing to focus on like your daily success. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm like yeah. anyone I start getting anxious yeah. if like, I'm not hitting my workouts and if I'm not hitting my goals and then you have to recalibrate. But I think you have to do that with like some degree of compassion for yourself. Cause life happens too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, back to that idea that like nothing's, mm-hmm. it's not linear, you know, like you're not just going to continue. There's going to be, interruptions you're going to be tired you're going to be you know you're not going to sleep well you're going to have busy work schedule i mean all these things right if you look from like you said it's a long road if you look from you know january to you know august or you know whatever you know that's there's a long there's a lot there's a lot in the way there right there's a lot of stuff that can happen um what do you what do you do because this i think this is one of the uh, we get like questions all the time, uh, like to the podcast about, about this. And I'm sure you talk about it with athletes. I know that it comes up all the time with athletes we work with. And, um, it's just like, you know, how do you, it's so, it's so much easier or, or oftentimes folks are much more motivated when you were, you know, eight to 12 mm-hmm. weeks out from your priority race, right. When it's summer, t- you do so like what it, you know, what do you do in the winter time? Like, how do you find that motivation? You know, like what tools are you using to, to keep you kind of, you know, trying to move the needle? Cause it does matter. Like you said, like what you do in January matters in June. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I would argue like maybe even more so, right. Like, you know, that's, if you don't have the, the foundational stuff, the house isn't, you know, you're building a weak house. Right. And so, um, yeah. Like what's that look like for you when, you know, you could like the dark days and you're still trying to stay focused and, and, you know, what do you, what do you, uh, what I'm looking for is like, you know, just tell us all your <laughs> secrets so that I can, I can, I can use them myself. And, I, and I bet you're already <laughs> using them. Um, for me, I mean, so I, I was telling an athlete the other day, I look at the bike season or my, I look at my ability to focus on riding a bicycle as kind of like a finite resource. Like I only, I only have I don't have a whole year of Mm -hmm. loving pedaling in me really. So when I'm, when it's, when it's cold and it's terrible outside, I don't, I don't try to ride my bike. I go skiing, I go running. I like do other things to keep me engaged. I sign up for Nordic races. Like I think it's really important to see your fitness as a holistic thing and not just as a specific thing. And when you're in January, you don't, you don't need to be doing like crazy bike stuff if your first race is in April. Right. So um, so I, I, right, I yeah. look at my like mental oh, energy, yeah. like as a, as a resource, I kind of have to protect or like or my ability to focus as a, as a resource, you have to kind of guard and take care of. Um, I, I totally, um, yeah. when I was younger would, I was the, I was the person who was riding my trainer for like three hours in the basement, you know, <laughs> and, and like every day, all day I had to uh-huh, get ready. Right. And, um, and all I, all I learned from that was that it's a great way to like make you, make you hate riding bikes. And to me, it's, it's so much, sure. your success at riding is so dependent on your ability to be focused and, you know, enjoying it on some level, being engaged. Right. And if you've spent all that in the garage in the winter, yeah. you're going to have a rough season, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such, I, um, you you were right. I uh, I have been <laughs> only because like I, I feel exactly the same way. I mean, you really nailed like the the like exact things that I talk about all the time. And you know, one of those things is I, I love that idea. And I literally just yesterday was talking to somebody about this idea of what you said about you know that your energy to to focus 
uh, on your primary discipline is a resource and that resource is finite. And so as, and I, you know, as a coach, I try to be very sensitive to how that those resources are, you know, kind of dosed through the season, right? Like in this idea that just because maybe you can ride for three, four, five, six hours, whatever it is, uh, and maybe you would be willing to do that every day, doesn't mean that you should be doing that, right? And and that 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 will catch up with you eventually, you know, sometime <laughs> in some season in the future, right? Where all that riding, all that riding that you that you didn't really need to be doing, you know, it's it's you know, yeah, if you know if you start with the glass full, each one of those rides is a little water out of the glass, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't know when it's going to be empty. But, you know, you have that glass to last you. Well, and you, and you have to right. know how to like refill <laughs> um, it. Right. Um, I, see, I see stuff like ski touring yeah, and right. trail running and, you know, all these sort of cross training activities is good ways to refill that glass. Right. Because, God, every time I'm running, I'm like, man, I wish I was on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're you're uh, as a as a as a uh, as a mountain biker still turned ultra distance runner. Uh, I, I still like every time I go for a run, I'm like, this would be so much better and easier if I was on a mountain bike. Um, and like, I'm like, man, I would so much rather ride my bike for 10 hours than run for 10 hours or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And then I, I, uh, the other thing that you hit on that I, I really love is that, just this idea of like not forcing it in the winter time, right? Like if all signs point to no, like, you know, if you can go run or ski or do something else, do that, right? Like don't, don't ride your bike just because, or don't run, you know, whatever your primary yeah, definitely don't is. Go, go ride. Um, if you're going to get frostbite or have, get sick or, you know, like, or you're going to stare at a wall in a room for right, you know, eight right, hours right. on Zwift, right? Like, like Yeah. I know. And that's, you know, that, and that's almost made it, I mean, there are these tools now that make it pretty comfortable, right? I mean, you really can, you know, get on Zwift on your super nice trainer that, you know, does everything for you. And, you know, you can ride it. It's, it's not the end of the world, you know I mean? You could easily do a pretty solid long ride on Zwift and, um, and, or, you know, or a long run and, and not be that miserable, you know, versus like, uh, and it sounds like you and I, like, with my, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I literally just like looked at my yep. like garage yep. door with my like Walkman, you know, yep. hanging on my Jersey. Um, <laughs> and I was like, well, this is it, you know? And it was like, if like, yeah, if it was, if it was shitty weather outside, it was yep. like four hours on this, you know, not yep. good trainer, trainer. Right? It's like an old fluid, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and there's like it's all like clunky, your and your wheel would slip. Your, uh, and your like, quick well, release every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're like every time you get out of the saddle a little bit, you're worried it was going to like kick oh, over I, I out of the little holder, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, for sure. I, yeah, I was always like trying to stay close to something so I could like lean on it if I needed to. Um, yeah. yeah oh, I mean, so good. Thing, yeah, I mean, so like when you're like when you're I was pulling say from the that thing is really interesting because you're seeing people hit these early season races where everyone used to be all like flabby and white and people are like fit in the early season because they've been racing on Zwift all year right I know um but I think I think you kind of I know it's make, it's making me really mad. Like as as somebody who spends the winter skiing, yeah. like, I don't. I'm not in that good shape yet. Like you gotta give me. You gotta give me yeah. a second to like do some stuff. Yeah, but yeah totally. they're like hitting the ground um, running. <laughs> but yeah, that's something you need to keep in yeah. mind because like, but like your season can really be year round at this point if you're if you're in his lift. and um, right, you have to figure out a good time to yeah. to chill out and do other. Stuff. What's your yeah? So. Right. Yeah. What's your take on, well, I was just going to, I mean, I guess in that same vein, you know, like, do you, um, cause like we'll talk to athletes that are, I mean, they're, they don't mind, right. You know, yeah, they got Zwift and like, they're super motivated to, they're like, yeah, you know, I'll do a three hour ride on Zwift or four hours or I mean, whatever. And you know, are these really long workouts and like, what's your take on, do you try to, pull back the reins still if the motivation is there like do you still feel like that kind of that pulls from that resource you know pool or or do you kind of let it go or yeah i'm just you know what what do you 
what do you think is the I know there's not one size fits all. I mean, I think it depends on what their target race is, right? Like if they're trying to crush Gila, then yeah, sure. Get on Zwift. Um, but like if they're aiming for something in July yeah, or August, sure. it's like, you should probably not, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, maybe for your one interval workout for the week, or maybe for, you know, actually maybe for your long ride, right? Like if it's horrible out and you have to go for a long ride, like, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's a really good resource, but I think depending on it and treating it like a race season early in the year, if you're, if you're targeting like a year round thing, you're just going to be burned out. Yeah, sure. No, I agree. Absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> another thing that you had mentioned was this, uh, this idea of, uh, kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, like mm-hmm. FOMO, you know, like fear of missing out and comparing, ourselves to to other athletes um and i i thought that was i think that's something that is it's it's so pervasive it can be so um detrimental to to i mean again like back to this to the sustainability piece which i just think is so critical and important to talk about but if you show up every time and you know compare yourself to athletes or like i mean to what we were just talking about like if you have a friend who, you know, is on Zwift for four hours and, and you're not, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're dropping the ball because you didn't do that long ride or whatever, you know, like it's, it just, it starts to like, you know, uh, it just starts to wear away at you, right. Totally. It starts to erode your, your confidence. And, um, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what did you, what's your personal experience with that? Cause like, I know, I've, totally. you know, I think we've all dealt with that, you know, uh, from an athlete perspective, but yeah, what's your, your kind of personal experience with that? And then, you know, maybe again, kind of tools for athletes to use to, to try to, totally. you know, uh, avoid that or position. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, obviously comparison and, uh, competition is why we all do this. It's a really powerful motivator and a great emotion. Um, but I think there that everyone has a different capacity for it and is motivated differently by it. Right. So I think some people find it to be a really powerful and great way to, you know, help themselves push faster and be accountable and, um, stay strong. And other people find it really stressful, um, and like sapping. So I think everyone has to assess it, like kind of try to assess it objectively for them personally but for me like I've never been on Strava because I know that it would make me into a monster (laughs) and um like I just I know that level of (laughs) yeah I'm actually the same way (laughs) (laughs) like I just know it would eat me alive like I would I would be so um obsessive about hitting those those segments and comparing myself to people and it, it would probably like make a good ride into a bad ride so um like for me, I have to be really careful about that stuff. Like, and so, I mean, it's actually a really good example right now. Cause I have this, this knee niggle I've been dealing with for like a couple of weeks and, um, basically had to stop riding. I'm riding for like 40 minutes at a time right now. And, uh, and it's been really hard because everyone's, it is the point of the year where everyone's logging their monster training blocks in California and talking about how fun it is and how tired they are. And I'm like, man, I wish I could get tired. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, it's really hard not to get anxious, but I just, you know, I think it, it, for me, it always helps to be like, um, everybody has different goals and everybody has different capacities and everybody's path is different. And, um, you know, just because that is one path from point A to point B doesn't mean it's the only path. Right. So, um, I think right. reminding yourself that right. you're an individual and that you're, um, wellness and motivation is ultimately what's going to make you the most successful, not, you know, copying somebody else is, is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I think, um, I see so many athletes get, um, yeah, get just kind of roped into, you know, they go on a, especially this time of year, you know, if you kind of, this like, um, this, you know, kind of mid winter, but this spring, you know, you're kind of like starting to, you know, you can see the, the end of the tunnel and, you know, maybe you have like a March or an April race, you know, on the calendar. And so you're starting to get a little closer and, and, you know, athletes are, are, you know, going a group ride or something or, or whatever on Saturday and, and talk to their friends and they're like, hear, you know, about their, you know, and it just, it starts to like immediately, 
you know, erode uh, folks' confidence. Like, oh, should I be, you know, doing X, Y, and Z? You know, and like you said, like it, it has to be based on what works for you, right? And I think, and two, like what, you know, just like what's your, you know, how much time do you have to give? You know, like training is, um, it's a big ask, you know, it's a big ask mentally and physically and, and fitting that into most of our schedules. And so like, you know, do, is, is doing more going to, going to, to be counterproductive because it's going to stress you out so much, right? Like, you know, is adding another workout really going to be what makes you productive or is that going to be such a stressor, you know, in other, uh, other areas of your life where it's better just to mm-hmm. focus on, you know, quality mm-hmm. over quantity. Um, you know, and I think that, man, so many people, yeah, I just, they get, uh, they get run down so early in the season by kind of doubting their, their approach or, you know, comparing themselves to, like you said, somebody on Strava. And, um, yeah, I totally get the Strava thing. I, I'm, I'm, um, <laughs> I know myself well enough that I have to stay, I have to stay away. I would be like, that's all I would yep. do is go out and, well, and these people. I down, think importantly you know? too, like it's um, the sort of thing where like, if you're, if you're having a ride, you can like have your feeling about it. But if you see how you did on a segment, it might totally change how you felt about that ride. And um, I think it's more important to be like yeah. aware of your physical feelings and the environment and, you know, all those, all those other factors that teach you a lot more about yourself as an athlete than like seeing that number and deciding whether or not you were successful. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always describe training as, you know, any, any workout or kind of the act of training is, you know, the, the goal of course is fitness, but really the goal is that we provide, you know, or that, the that training provides kind of, you know, uh, uh, a group of experiences, uh, from which you can draw on during race day. Right. So like you have to be paying attention because in race day, you know, there's, in, I love it, that. You know, it almost like becomes like, like subconscious, right. Where you're like, you, you know, you're just, you're automatically pulling from these moments of discomfort or these moments of kind of mental, you know, like how did you cope with mm-hmm. a big long climb or when it was hot or when you felt a little bonky or when, you know I mean? There's all these experiences. And like, my goal is like that we just want that kind of cumulative suite of experiences to prepare you for anything that you might encounter on race day. And if you're not paying attention during the training, then you're not going to have those experiences, right? You're just going to, you're going to, it's going to be, you know, like white. And uh, yeah, that's a great point. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like making that blend too, like, you know, or or using the data, like, you know, by all means, if you want to look down and, you know, look at normalized power, that's great. Mm -hmm. But link that to a feeling, right? Like if you see, you know, 250 Watts for, you know, an hour or whatever it is on some sort of big climb, like, let's talk about what that felt like. Right. And then how do we use that as a gauge on race day? You know, like I always wanted to come back to again, like you're kind of, mm-hmm. you're, you're collecting experiences, uh, you know, so that you can use them on I race day or draw from them on. You're kind of like just teaching your body day. and teaching your mind. And yeah. like, it's almost, um, like adjacent to your fitness, right? Your fitness is your tool, but you've got this whole like contextual, um, tool as well. I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, good. I, I've <laughs> several ideas from you during this chat, so you can have that one. for free. <laughs> uh, no, um, so, uh, t- to kind of switch gears a little bit and, um, and dive into another topic. Um, do you feel like we're in a, we're in a, a, a good place? I mean, there's so much talk now about, about nutrition, right? I mean, it's such a hotly debated and, and kind of polarized oftentimes topic. And we have lots of, you know, there's like a new diet every day, right? Coming out about, you know, how you, you know, and it claims that it's the best for endurance athletes. And um, there's tools to track that stuff. And, you know, I just, it, it, it seems like on the one hand, there's a lot of information mm-hmm. out there. And, and so that's good. But the other hand, there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of athletes kind of, you know, experimenting with things based on information that is probably not the, you know, well suited for them, or it's not meant to be targeted towards endurance athletes or fueling for performance. I don't know. What do you feel like we're, 
are we better or are we worse? Is it more confusing? <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, well, I don't know the answer either, but I'm curious. I, per- like, I mean, I personally uh, feel where, like where the information, especially about women's performance is so much better than it used to be. I think the work Stacey Sims is doing is amazing. I think um, like the idea of using your period is not just a training metric, but actually an ergogenic aid, like basically using it to biohack your training cycle to me is like mind boggling. I love it. Um, And I think that as we're starting to, to see women as, uh, as athletic beings and as, you know, people who can perform on, you know, or are committed on similar levels to men um, and figuring out how to make them the best athletes we can be, um, and, and maybe having separate strategies than a, a male body is amazing. And I think, um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of, um, conflicting nutritional fads. Like, you know, are you going to do intermittent fasting? Or are you going to go for the keto diet? Right. Um, so I think, I think it's, you know, taking that stuff with a grain of salt and figuring out what's going to work best for you. Um, and, but yeah, it's, it's like, do your research <laughs> before you do a diet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and, and just like, I think just like training, um, it, it, you know, there's not one approach that works year round, right? Like that, you know, you might, one of those um, named diets totally. might work for you in the winter time, right? And then maybe that makes you feel healthy um, and you're able to, you know, feel well, or, or maybe you're able to reach a an ideal weight, um, you know, that's healthy, but, but as you were, you know, again, through the lens, uh, uh, as an athlete, um, maybe that changes, you know, as your training load increases, as your caloric needs increase, as your metabolism shifts and, and changes to meet the demands of your training schedule, like maybe it doesn't work anymore. You know, I think that's where I've seen folks get into trouble as they take this just very kind of like, mm-hmm this is my diet, you know, and like they put this kind of, you know, and it applies to everything. And it's this big kind of overarching, you know, gospel that they, they preach. Um, and again, through the lens of, of being an endurance athlete, I think that can just be, we have to come at it from a different angle. You know, it's not just, um, you know, it's not just weight loss or it's not, we have this, this extra piece involved, you know, that is, yeah, I mean, and it might and be my training history. and, the muscular and metabolic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it might just be my history with it, but I've completely thrown the idea of weight loss out of my, you know, health vocabulary. I, I purely think about the quality of the calories I'm eating and that's about it. It's yeah. like, I just make sure I'm eating good food and eating mm-hmm. what I'm hungry for. Yep. Sometimes that's like a steak. Sometimes yeah. I go plant-based for like a month, yeah. you know, it just kind of depends on the season and what I'm into. And yeah. I found that yeah. we're, well but it, it also requires like a sure. little more work because you have to plan things out and um but i don't know if you had experience yep. with any of that intermittent fasting yeah, I, I think, or keto stuff <clears throat> yeah i mean um <laughs> uh <laughs> this is I, I i'm gonna be careful like how i say all this um because there's a lot yeah. of people that you know have a lot of opinions and uh, <laughs> I don't want to suppose they like hate email after, yeah after this podcast airs um, yeah I mean I I will say personally my my approach is is like identical to yours you know I think that in my opinion eating well um, is is fairly straightforward and it should be a fully kind of well-rounded experience I don't think that taking anything out uh, is the answer, you know, so any, any deletion style diet, um, I, I don't think is necessarily the best approach. I think that the, you know, foods exist for reasons and we need them all in certain amounts at the right time in relation to exercise and, you know, rest. And, and so, yeah, I, um, I identify, you know, again, like with exactly kind of your approach, you know, I think, um, yeah. And, and, but uh, certainly, you know, from a coaching perspective, um, it's also my job to help athletes navigate um, these approaches that could help them maximize performance, you know, and I, and I am the first to admit that, like, like we said, like maybe in, you know, in some quantities at the right time and, 
when done correctly, that these can be tools to help maximize performance and help you feel healthier. So yeah, we've got, um, um, you know, intermittent fasting is one. I mean, certainly in the, in the winter time, you know, doing certain types of sessions, uh, carefully kind of prescribed and guided at the right times of the week, uh, in the right periods of, uh, training progression. Um, I've had athletes be successful with intermittent fasting. Um, same thing. Um, you know, some athletes, um, I'm a fairly, I mean, again, I, I, I guess on the risk of getting hate emails, like, but fairly vehement, I'm a fairly vehement, like, uh, I'm, I'm adamantly against, uh, the keto diet for endurance athletes. I haven't, and that's just cause I haven't seen it work because it backfire, too um, many, too few, just in terms of car- go too ahead. Few carbs. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just a glycogen uh, availability, you know? And so I, I've seen it. Um, I've seen it just backfire. I mean, again, with the right, with the right session, you know, if you're doing well below threshold, you know, and you're truly doing, you know, uh, kind of a aerobic work and you're not necessarily calling on the body for glycogen stores, um, and, and you know, and, and, and need that carbohydrate, then, you know, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it works. But again, if there's any intensity involved, um, I've seen it backfire and I've, yeah. So, but again, like I do see it, I enjoy that process with my athletes. Like I, I, I'm, I'm game to say, okay, let's, let's do it the right way. Let's think about it, make sure it's based in science, right? Let's make sure it works for you. Or we think it's the right approach for you in terms of your, you know, your, your discipline focus and the time of year that we're talking about these things and then try it and then, and then pay attention, you know, make sure again, like I'm not going to take a broad stroke and say, okay, now you're intermittent fasting, you know, all year long, that's it. You know, every Tuesday, Thursday, um, you know, I think we, it, it has to be applied in the right doses and done, um, intelligently. And again, like backed by whatever, you know, hard, yeah, and it's an important thing when you're approaching um, any of those things but, uh, from a, you know, a awareness that people do use them for uh, disordered reasons, right? Like it's you got to have that awareness as well to make sure that it it's really for performance. Right? And, yeah, and exactly. Well, it's a way to point. control what what's going in. Right. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's a great. That's a great point, and I think is like top of mind for me. I mean, yeah, you know, if we're doing it through the lens of, um, maximizing potential and performance, then yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to get at that. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to necessarily shut an athlete down, you know, unless it's clearly unhealthy, but, um, but yeah, doing it for the right reasons for sure. I think, you know, it's, it's pretty easy when you're in that, zone to fall into the trap of like wanting a little more right like oh it's just five more pounds right or just a little you know a little you know whatever it is and like that's when you start to that's a rabbit hole that can be dangerous you know where you start to you know again i i i agree with you completely like thinking about things purely from like a weight loss perspective is a little bit problematic for me you know i, I think that can be a little dangerous um now, if weight loss, reaching a healthy weight is a byproduct of a, of a healthy diet and a diet that's timed accordingly to, to our, you know, exercise and, and, and sleep and, and recovery, like, well, great. You know, that's, that's, I'm all for that. But, um, just like going into things being like, you know, I want to lose 15 pounds. Um, that can be, I've seen that backfire, you know, again, specific to athletes, um, so yeah, no, but now we're going to, um, yeah, we're going to get, uh, nah, bombarded with, with emails. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've, I've already, I've, we've, I've already said too much. And, and now, now I've gotten you, I've gotten yeah. you in hot water too. Training people. We, we try to consider every methodology <laughs> uh, if it, um, you know, is, is backed by science. So we, it's, it's always cool to entertain different ideas and I don't have anything against any of those diets. It's just, it's interesting. And I think you're right. Like, the key thing is making sure that you're using it in a way that um, helps you reach a goal for, for your training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
okay. Um, I want to touch on one more thing, uh, that I think, um, so I know you work with, uh, with juniors, uh, you're based in Boulder and you work with a junior cycling team there out of Boulder. And I'm just, um, I think that's, um, that's not an area where I've spent a ton of time in terms of like junior development programs. I've worked with juniors on and off over the years, but you know, not necessarily in a group setting. And so I'm just curious, like, um, can we, can we learn anything from, (laughs) from juniors? You know, like what's, is there, you know, as, as adults, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're we're pretty wired a lot of times, right? Like from experiences we've had in life. And especially if you're coming at, uh, if you're coming into sports, endurance sports, you know, later (laughs) in in your life, it can be hard to kind of break free of some of these things that you've, you know, pre-decided or, you know, have established and kind of, you know, you're, um, uh, in, in your head and yeah, like what's, what's that like working with juniors and, and, you know, what do you see in terms of kind of their outlook and perspective and versus adults that, man, I love that you asked that question in that way. Cause I, <clears throat> I see, I'm, I'm so inspired by these kids. They're number one, they're fearless. They, um, I mean, partly cause they're on their parents' health insurance plans, but you know, they're, <laughs> They're, uh, they're fearless. <laughs> they will try anything. And they, I think because, you know, their brains are in this like very, um, receptive learning mode. They just learn so fast because they're willing to try so many things. And, um, so it, all it takes is just telling them they can do it and, and they'll try it, you know? <laughs> and, um, I am amazed at how fast mm-hmm. I've seen them progress and how strong they can get over a season. And, um, I think, you know, if we, if we all took a little bit of that fearlessness into our training and especially in, you know, sports like mountain biking, we could probably make a lot more progress than we think. Um, and then also that they dream super big, like all those kids are like gunning for the races. And, and it's not that we're encouraging goals that are unrealistic for them. Um, but I do find it amazing that they, you know, they all, Cause, cause their whole life is just potential right now. Right. Like it's an amazing, it's an amazing phase of life. And, um, mm-hmm. and I love seeing that, you know, we've got six girls at worlds right now. It's so cool. Um, actually I think only, only three wow. of them are BJC. I hope, I hope I got that number right. Um, Michaela Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still, still impressive. Nonetheless. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no like fear of failure, you know, which is, we get so hung up on that as adults, right. That like, we're going to be judged or whatever backlash we imagine is going to happen if we fail. And, you know, it sounds like I mean, that's kids haven't, they haven't experienced enough failure to really have, you know, like, and I think there's like there's a real beauty in that, right. Like you said, if we could apply a little bit of that kind of, um, you know, gusto yeah. for, for, for life or for racing or, you know, training or whatever, um, we'd probably be, we, we'd, we'd reach potential that we, you know, are probably, yeah, we're probably getting might, in our way more think, than we're I doing ourselves. I think the stories we tell ourselves right? get a, a little times, more but. worn in over time. Right. And, um, and they're, they're just still inventing theirs. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really a privilege to be able to be part of that process with them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I, I, um, like I said, it's not something that I've uh, had the opportunity to to do a lot of in my coaching career, but it's always something that when I talk to folks like like yourself who who have had that opportunity, you know, it's it's something that's always like mm-hmm. see, seeing things through fresh eyes is is always a real you know a real privilege and, and an honor because we like you said our stories get a little worn in and a little a little old, and so it's it's nice to to, to be around athletes that don't have those stories yet, you know, or, or at least creating new ones and they're not using the same ones over and over again. Um, so that's great. Um, well, cool. Lydia, thank you so much for being on the show. It was uh, a blast talking to you. You're, uh, um, have tons of insight and, and I'm glad we see eye to eye on so many things and thanks for letting oh, me steal awesome. some of your yeah, ideas. Really I appreciate it. You. <laughs> um, yeah, and, for sure. uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. 
Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Lydia. Um, I can't tell you how much I enjoy her perspective and, and insight uh, into the sport. I, I think the things that she's gone through and, and where she's at now as an athlete, I, I think we can all draw parallels um, from that. And I think having a mindset of sustainability is ultimately what we should all aim for. Um, I, I think you know being an athlete is, is something that we should look at as a, as a lifetime pursuit. Um, and one that allows us to constantly push our boundaries and, and realize our potential, but also uh, hopefully allows us to find perspective in life um, and, and, and is a healthy uh, addition to, um, to the other things that we, we hope to accomplish in our lives. So I think Lydia's got a great handle on that, and, and I think that uh, that's probably one of the, the strongest takeaways for me is, is just that, you know, should always be through the lens of, of sustainability. Um, and, and hopefully you're able to draw uh, those parallels as well. As always, thomasendurancecoaching.com for everything that we talk about on the podcast. Um, lots more great content up on the blog. Um, we've got some really, really cool uh, insight from the coaches uh, about kind of best practices, some of the mental um, aspects, uh, how to approach different times of the season. Um, so really diverse um, insight and, uh, and expertise, uh, being represented right now. So check us out. Um, if there's any questions, always, uh, feel free to reach out at info at thomasendurancecoaching.com. And, uh, we can answer questions, uh, about uh, anything we covered on the podcast, as well as put you in touch with a, with a coach if you want to bounce questions off of them. Um, so use TEC as a resource. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.